This is Whole Backstage Live, and you're listening to our 13 Days of Halloween. Taken from Catherine Tucker Wyndham's 13 Alabama Ghosts and Jeffrey. This first compilation of Alabama ghost stories brings you famous ghosts and locations from throughout the mid to late 1800s. Shadows of the unrest which plagued the South during the Civil War. You can still visit some of these locations even to this day. Others have long since been reclaimed by the earth and trees and creeping vines. Thirteen individual readers will share with you these stories of love lost, unbearable tragedy, unsettled ghostly apparitions, and untimely death. Look for a new episode daily until October 31st. In this episode, we will hear of the ominous glow in the tower room and other eerie happenings that plagued multiple families over multiple decades in Death Lights in the Tower. Judge! Judge! Come quick! Your house is burning up! The excited man beat upon the door of the old mansion, trying to rouse its sleeping occupants. Inside the house, Judge W.G. Cochran was awakened by the commotion, and he lay still for a moment, trying to identify the noise. Oh no, not again, he muttered sleepily. But he got out of bed, threw his robe around his shoulders, and went to answer the door. The tower room is blazing, the man gasped as the judge opened the door. You can see the fire all over this end of town. All right, let's go investigate, Judge Cochran replied. Together they climbed the two flights of stairs to the square tower room, and Judge Cochran threw open the door. The room was dark. No flames, no sparks, no smoldering ashes, not even a wisp of smoke. The visitor shook his head in disbelief and hurried for the stairs. But I seen it myself! I seen it myself! He kept repeating as Judge Cochran escorted him down the hall and out the back door. Thank you for being concerned, the judge said wearily. Good night. How many times has it happened now? Judge Cochran asked himself as he climbed back into bed. And when will she stop burning those damnable candles? The she he referred to was Mrs. Sarah Drish, builder and longtime resident of what is now known as the Old Drish Place in Tuscaloosa. Mrs. Drish was a gentle, intelligent woman, but according to tales told about her home, it is her frustrated ghost who returns to alarm the neighborhood by burning candles in the tower, candles which she wanted to be burned around her coffin at her death. The story goes back to 1817, when three or four Owen brothers and their sister, Mrs. Sarah McKinney, a widow, came from Norfolk District, Virginia, to Tuscaloosa. They traveled by covered wagons, bringing their handsome mahogany furniture and other family heirlooms. Some of this furniture stood proudly in the Drish home. But that was later. In Tuscaloosa, Mrs. McKinney met and married Dr. John Drish, a physician whose wife had died some time before. 
Dr. Drish had one child, Catherine, a beautiful young lady who, heartbroken by a love affair which her father's stern intervention had terminated and further tormented by a miserable marriage, had lost her mind. About 1830, Dr. and Mrs. Drish built on the outskirts of Tuscaloosa, now in the residential business section on 17th Street between Greensboro and Queen City Avenues, an imposing plantation home. The house can probably be best described as Southern colonial with a strong Greek and Italian Renaissance influence. A wide porch with stark Doric columns extends across the rear, and the front is distinguished by two ionic columns on each side of a large square tower rising from the middle of the porch. The main entrance to the home is through the arched door on the ground level of the three-story tower. Above the entrance is a square room, which opens into an upstairs hall. A winding stairway leads from this room to the square tower room, which stands above the level of the flat roof. At the rear of the large downstairs hall, a horseshoe staircase rises in a graceful curve to the landing where the straight flights, one on each side, ascend to the upstairs hall. Mrs. Drish was evidently a woman of excellent taste and of impressive financial means. Rich velvet carpets covered the floors of her home, imported lace curtains hung at the windows, and the soft glow of candles danced in the crystal prisms of the candelabra on the marble mantel. A lodge at the main entrance to the estate provided shelter for the servants whose duty it was to open and close the heavy gates. A long driveway bordered by flowering shrubs and evergreens led from the gate to the house. One approach was bordered with pink and white altheas, and in the formal gardens were thousands of roses. Beyond the gardens were fruit orchards, and beyond them stretched the fields and woods. Such an elaborate estate required much attention. Dr. Drish was unfortunately a very poor manager. It was widely reported that he gambled and drank and did both very poorly. Often, the story goes, he would take a boatload of cotton from his plantation down the river to Mobile to sell. Weeks later, he would return to Tuscaloosa with nothing except a terrific hangover and a remorseful conscience. Usually, he had to be put to bed and carefully nursed for some time. It was after one such trip that, tormented by his own guilt and by sadness over Catherine's increasing madness, he broke from the restraining arms of servants trying to hold him on the bed, stumbled to the curved stairway, shrieked, and died. For many years after his death, workers on the plantation often claimed they heard Dr. Drish's stumbling footsteps followed by his agonized cry. Before his burial, Dr. Drish's body lay in state with candles burning around the bier, the same candles that were to provide another restless spirit with a reason for haunting the Drish house. Mrs. Drish, after the funeral, asked that these candles be put away to be saved until her death when they were to be lighted again around her coffin. Following Dr. Drish's death, Mrs. Drish's niece, Mrs. Virginia Owen Green, her husband, Thomas Finley Green, and their children came to live with her. The happy confusion of having children in the house was a delight, particularly to Catherine, who had become more and more silent and withdrawn. Through the years, Mrs. Drish maintained an alert interest in the happenings beyond her dwindling estate. Records show that despite her old age and loss of wealth, she continued to subscribe to and read the Philadelphia Times, the New Orleans Picayune, Godey's Ladies Book, the London Illustrated News, Littell's Living Age, Appleton's Journal, and other periodicals. 
and she insisted that the accustomed ceremonies of gracious living, which had been practiced in less poverty-stricken years, be continued as far as was possible. As she grew older, she was particularly concerned that the death rites she desired be observed, especially that the same candles which had burned after Dr. Drish's death light her coffin while she lay in state. When Mrs. Drish died, one of the old servants reminded Mrs. Green of the dead woman's almost obsessive wish. Old Miss said a hundred times she wanted them same candles burned, the servant prompted Mrs. Green. The niece made a search, not a very diligent one, for the candles, but they were never found. Mrs. Green had not been present for Dr. Drish's funeral and did not attach any real significance to her aunt's request concerning the candles probably dismissing it as a whim of an old and addled woman. She paid no heed except for a show of impatience when the servant kept repeating, We got to find them candles. Oh, Miss going to walk if we don't find them candles and burn them like she say. Oh, Miss is sure gonna walk. The candles were not found, and Mrs. Drish, though given a proper funeral, was buried without their having been burned. Soon afterwards began the strange appearances of fire in the tower room, sightings which for many years caused the occupants of the house to be ousted from their beds by false fire alarms. Some people tried to find scientific explanations for the fiery lights in the tower, but those wise in the ways of the spirit world never doubted that Ole Miss was indeed walking and had come back to her home to burn her own death candles. Most Alabama homes are content to provide habitation for only one ghost, but the Drish house has had several ghostly inhabitants. Not only have both Dr. Drish and Mrs. Drish returned, but another, and in some respects even stranger presence, has manifested itself there. After the death of Mrs. Drish, Mr. and Mrs. Green closed the upstairs of the house and converted the two downstairs parlors into bedrooms. Catherine had been sent, before Mrs. Drish's death, to be cared for by family members in another state, and so there was not enough people living in the house to necessitate the use of the upstairs portion. Mary, 14 years old, and her sister Nemo, a year younger, slept in the front parlor, and their parents shared the bedroom in the converted back parlor. The folding doors between the two rooms were kept locked. One night, Mary and Nemo had been invited to a spend-the-night party at their cousin's home, but Nemo had a headache and stayed at home, going to bed alone in the front bedroom. Her headache kept Nemo from sleeping, but when she heard the hall door open softly, she pretended to be asleep so that her mother would not worry about her. She lay quite still and kept her eyes closed while gentle hands straightened the covers and tucked them snugly around her. Not until the soft sound of the tiptoes had died away and she heard the latch on the hall door click did Nemo open her eyes. She laughed to herself at the joke she had played on her mother. The next morning at breakfast, she confessed, Mother, I was just pretending to be asleep when you came into my room and covered me up last night. Her mother was amazed. I didn't come to your room, dear, she said. You must have had a vivid dream. However, she and her mother agreed not to mention the episode to Mary, as they did not want to frighten her. The next night, the sisters were in their big bed, and Nemo was sleeping soundly when Mary clutched her and sobbed in fright. Nemo! Nemo, wake up! Somebody came in here and covered us up! I thought at first it was Mother, but it wasn't. Whoever it was wouldn't answer me, wouldn't say anything at all! 
the child was almost hysterical, and Nemo was frightened too, but she calmed her sister enough so that they could go together to their parents' room. They waked their father and mother, both of whom had been sound asleep, and told them what had happened. With Mr. Green leading the way, they made a thorough search of the house, but every door and every window was locked. Nobody was there. Some 40 years later, when Mary and Nemo were middle-aged women, they were spending a vacation at Alabama's White Sulphur Springs, a popular resort in DeKalb County. One night, the guests were gathered on the wide veranda, entertaining each other by telling of unusual or weird things that had happened to them. Mrs. G.W. Cochran of Mobile announced to the group that she knew a ghost story more exciting than any that had been told. Her sister, Miss Cochran said, had come to Tuscaloosa to visit her while she and Judge Cochran were living in an old home there. The sister, young and popular, was invited to a number of parties at the University of Alabama, among them the commencement ball. On the night of the ball, she complained of a slight headache, perhaps brought on by lack of sleep, but she got dressed for the festivity, and while waiting for her escort, she decided to lie down to rest for a few minutes. As she lay in the darkened room, the door opened lightly. Someone tiptoed across the room and tender hands pulled up a coverlet and tucked it about her. The guest turned to thank her sister, but there was no one there. Screams brought Judge and Miss Cochran to the room immediately. They searched the house, but no trace of an intruder could be found. When Mrs. Cochran finished her story, Mary and Nemo exchanged glances. Then, to the amazement of the audience, they named the house and the very room where the incident had occurred, the downstairs front parlor in the old Drish place. The Drish home later became part of the educational building of the Southside Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa. That change in ownership should have exorcised the ghost, but on some nights there still appear to be lights in the tower room, the kind of lights cast by flickering candles. You have been listening to Holback Stage Live and our 13 Days of Halloween. The vocal talents of Mandy Moore Broadhurst brought this episode to life. Tune in tomorrow for another Alabama Ghost Story. This has been a production of the Holback Stage Inc. and Holback Stage Live on WBSL Radio. Please, please, please take the time to visit our website and check the show description for a link to all of our social media. Follow us for upcoming events and announcements about what you can look forward to on our production calendar. Contact this show at holbackstagelive at gmail.com for sponsorship opportunities. Imagine your name reaching all of our listeners through our episodes. I know, crazy, right? Thank you for listening, keep coming back, and stay kind.